Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of The Game Rivals. I'm your one of your hosts, Sean Templer, and I'm sitting with my friend Maximilian. How have you been, my friend, since last week? I've been pretty uh, good, uh, Sean Templer. It's been uh, it's been a busy week. Um, we actually did a bonus episode, which was fun. Um, Got to talk a lot in that one. Yeah, people butchered the state of the play online. I read a lot, so uh, that was cool to see. Yeah. I liked our version more. Yeah. <laughs> our ver- our version was more uh, spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, today we're trying something new. We have some few new stingies we're gonna discuss, and we have we still have our what you've been playing and the hidden gem. Yep. Um, there were a few things that happened over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to start us off. Yeah. So we had a bunch of things that happened this weekend in the world of gaming. We had PAX East where a lot of games were tried out and played. There are a lot of interviews and a lot of stuff that showed up there. They uh, actually showed off a off-camera footage of uh, uh, Senua... Uh, Hel- Hellblade Senua Sacrifice. Yeah, thank you. On Switch, <laughs> running okay. off dock mode, and it looked really good. I mean, of course, it's an off-TV uh, recording over the shoulder... But from what I could tell, it was like it looked really good. Um, some other things that were happening was that um, uh, Gearbox finally um, stopped teasing, teasing their fans for <laughs> what seems to be an eternity and announced that Borderlands 3 is officially coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Yay! Yay! Another Borderlands game. It only took them, what, six years? I don't know. I know that the last game they released was uh, at least like a big game was uh, Brothers in Arms. And then after that, they that was 11 years ago. Then they did Borderlands and they did Borderlands 2, LA, Alien, Duke Nukem, but not. Yeah. And then it was kind of quiet and they've been helping out here and there. Yeah. And then they did their MOBA shooter thing. Oh, yeah. B- B- Battleborn. Battleborn, uh, yeah. 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 It didn't work out for them. Yeah. Not really. Not when you have uh, Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Fortnite. <laughs> I, I seriously don't play that game anymore. It's just too hard. Uh, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking, but you probably know what I'm thinking. <laughs> you'll, probably, you'll probably talk about Tetris 99. No, no, no. I mean, well, Tetris 99 is the ultimate battle royale game. No, no, but, no. Uh, That's Battlefield Firestorm, and we're going to talk about that as well today. All right, you finally got to play it. I finally got to play it. All right, well, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah, but yeah, so they showed a trailer where they were they where they were mentioning stuff, and you could see like the first footage of the game. It looks cool, looks interesting. I mean, it's Borderlands. Um, it always looks interesting because of the art style. I like the cel shaded style. Yeah, and it's one of the few games that still does it in that particular way. You know the the the. Um, the jet set, the, the the jet set radio style of yeah of a cell shading. 
it's but fun, it funny that when they originally announced the first Borderlands game, like the original announcement trailer, it wasn't cel shaded. It was it was more of a, a rea- realistic, gritty kind of uh, look, and then halfway there they switch it to cel shaded. But I think nobody remembers that. Really? It, well, even that. if you yeah, even if you can't remember, there was this um, part that. Uh, there was a woman and she was standing on top of a cliff or something and she was telling something and the camera was panning and then you would see the other side of her face and that part was scarred or burnt or wherever. Uh, but remember when they first announced it, the game looked completely different. And then when they switched to Shell Sadie, people were like, oh, wow, okay, this is completely different. This is actually better than it originally looked. Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean- I, like, I mean, okay, t- to be fair, though, uh, it was it probably in a time, it was not announced in a time where I wasn't paying attention to PC um, gaming announcements and stuff like that, and it, I, it probably passed me by before they announced it. I don't know it other than it being super bright and colorful and Claptrap doing his Claptrap things. It, so, it had a more serious tone yeah. when it was first announced, and I think when they switched uh, Cell Shaded, it became this mocking self-mocking game in which they had these kind of characters like claptrap but initially when they showed it off it had a completely different uh, i think that they had a completely different direction and I, i'm happy they switched direction yeah same yeah. here good to know yeah. speaking of switching directions they also announced that they're remastering borderlands one for the modern con- for the modern generation for ps4 and for xbox one oh, that's nice for pc not a Switch mm-hmm. version, though, but, yeah, It'll probably come out in a few months on Switch. Uh, and then it'll uh, be like, oh, another cool game is coming to Switch. Cash grab. <laughs> so what? Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat is coming day and day to Switch, so I don't know what you're complaining about. That is not a cash grab. That is just smart business acumen by never by, by never saw. No, I can appreciate it when, when people do that, like when they bring it out on the same day. What I can't appreciate is that when they bring out a game on the Switch and they act it's something completely new or so awesome, and then you're like, oh, but this I've been able to play this for years on the PlayStation. I mean, what, Darksiders War Mastered Edition or so coming out or came out recently? Yeah, it's but, coming out this week on Switch. Yeah, but that game's been available for months on PlayStation. I'm like, okay. I mean, well, yeah, it was also available on Wii U, so... What was that again? The Wii U? I never saw. I don't know. What, 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 is that a console? Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, it, that game has been ported a bunch of th- times now. So it kind of, you know, makes sense because they brought out the third game on Switch. And I th- think they also brought out the second game on Switch. Actually, the second game... Was the was one of the last third party games they brought out on Wii U, ever? I didn't know that. That was nice. Which is hilarious because it came out when the Switch was already out for six months. So, <laughs> but they were like, "We are committed to bringing out this game because we promised the fans that we bring it out on Wii U," and they did. Well, the, I mean, the, to to little fanfare, but they did. That's probably what you wanted to hear. But I think it more was like, okay, we've sunk so much money into this game right now, bringing it to Wii, we can't suddenly flip and pivot to Switch. So let's just say that we did it for the fans, and then just bring it out because we spent a lot of money. It's kind of like the Rockstar example I gave the other time, was saying like the about the in-game economy, and everybody oh, yeah. loves Rockstar for yeah. it. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fine and all, but eh, I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, if they bring out either of the games, it would be nice, you know. Yeah. But until then, I mean, we will. F- they didn't announce a release date yet, but they did say where they were gonna announce more stuff on around E3. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, it's pretty soon. So. Yeah. I also saw something about a Sega Mega Drive Mini? announcement of Mini yeah. Classic. Oh uh, uh, yeah. So another one of the things that happened this weekend was Sega Fest, which is this fan festival for uh, that Sega holds every year around this time in Japan, obviously. And they announced that they're bringing out a Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis Mini out on September nineteenth worldwide, which is great. Well, which is already good news, but the really good news is that all the games are being done by none other than M2, which are the king of Sega emulation. They emulated all the good games on Xbox Live, on PSN, on uh, the, 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 the 3DS, uh, on the Wii, on the Wii U, like all those emulated Sega Mega Drive games are done by them. So them doing all the games for this mini console is basically Sega finally understanding the power that M2 has and listening to the fans. Because they have done this before. They have brought out clone consoles for the Mega Drive and the Genesis before, but they were done by Ad Games. An ad game sucks. Wow, okay. That's a pretty serious thing. They suck, yes. I like, I don't care who knows it, because everybody knows it anyways. Ad game sucks. All they brought out were crappy Sega, Sega Genesis and Mega Drive clones that had poor emulation and a bunch of nonsense clone games that they put on there to be like, oh, and we have bonus. We have a bonus 50 games, but they're all crap. Why, Sega, why? Even when the NES Mini came out and people and they saw how popular that was, they still brought out a clone console with ad games, the flashback, and it sucked too. This must really be deep or hurt you deeply. I've never seen you be, be talking about a product or a company like this. I'm sorry, it's just that when... It's not that... It's not that... I grew up a Nintendo fanboy, but I also grew up playing Sega Mega Drive games because my cousin's uh, what, my cousin's best friend he owned the Sega Mega Drive, so we I'd go to his place and then we'd swing by his friend's place and play some Mega Drive games, or he'd sleep over and he'd bring his Sega Mega Drive and we'd play some Desert Strike or um, yeah, what else like uh, um, what is it called again? Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, or we'd rent a game and we'd play, you know, Sega games. Uh, uh, what's it called again? Rock and Roll Racing. We played that on the Mega Drive. It was fun. I mean, not as good as the Super Nintendo version, but still, it was fun because it's Rock and Roll Racing. I never played anything Sega related back then, so I missed out yeah. on all that. Yeah. This is a good opportunity to do so. Yeah. Um, the prices that they're coming out is decent, at least for Japan. From what I know, that they're bringing out two different versions of the console, one with one controller and another with two controllers, and the and the system itself comes with forty games, and That's the only reason good. it's 
And the only reason they're doing that is because they originally had a plan for 30 games, but they couldn't decide on which 30 they wanted, so they just you know, said, you know what? Let's throw in an extra 10 so we don't have to make the hard decisions. That's so, kind of nice. A, tr a true that, value. Uh... Yeah, that is kind of nice because because uh, at least for the price that they're selling it, the uh, one controller setup comes at around 60 bucks, which is around 67 euros. Um, and the two controller configuration comes out at, for about 80 bucks, which is about 87 euros. Um, That's, which is uh, great. Cool, yeah. The only, yeah, I mean, the only thing though is that the controllers are different from the Japanese version because in Japan, the controllers come with a six button configuration, whereas the uh, Western version, I, I assume, at least the US version, comes with the traditional three button configuration. Not really sure why they chose that though. What what's the difference about those six button? Well, like what can you do with those six button configurations? Well, um, I don't know what the configuration is from these controllers. So my speculation is it's one of two things. Either it's a turbo controller, which you can have the second row of buttons act as a rapid fire button. Um, so for example, if you're playing a shooter game like R Type on uh, Mega Drive then sorry um then you you don't have to continually tap on the button to rapid fire you just hold the button and it rapid fires for you the other thing that i'm assuming that they're doing it for is for fighting games so there are just six normal buttons but the problem with the mega drive was that the configuration of the original controllers was three buttons so you're missing at least one uh you're missing at least three other buttons when it comes to fighting games like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. <clears throat> Sorry. That's okay. So I think that's the... Um, I think that's what they're aiming for. Ah, so. okay. That's good. <laughs> uh, so, um, well, it's coming out in uh, September, I believe. September 19th. Worldwide. Yeah. So. And uh, are you going to buy it or... I don't know yet. I mean, it looks really exciting. I might. Um, I. It's not like I don't own se retro Sega games, but I own them on different platforms. I have a bunch of them on my Wii U through the Wii emulation. I have some of them on my 3DS in 3D, which is really nice because they play really well. Because, again, it's done by M2. <laughs> um quality but when you see the word when you see m2 and the word developer you know it's going to be quality emulation because they take all the love and care and they put it into their emulation um if only more people did that yeah no kidding um so yeah i might actually pick it up because that's 40 games that i have in one neat package that i can just place under my tv and just hook it up and play whenever i want Okay, that's good. No, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe we can do some special stuff around uh, Sega Classics when the when the time comes. Um, there's one last thing that happened. Something with Metro Exodus, Steam, and Deep Silver. I think you know yeah. more about that. Yeah. So just a really quick recap for people that are not in a, in the know. When the Epic Game Store was announced to launch, um, a bunch of games switched from Steam. To the epic game store because the epic game store gives out a bigger revenue share than steam does 
um, one of those games was um, uh, Metro uh, Exit. Wait, Exodus? No. Yeah, it's, Exodus, I believe it's called right? Exodus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they made it a timed exclusive for the Epic Game Store. Now, a bunch of people, of course, were not happy because they already pre-ordered their copy on Steam, and they're fine. They said that if you pre-ordered it on Steam, you're getting it on Steam. You don't have to worry about it. You can play it on Steam. But there are people that don't want to buy it on the Epic Game Store for a various amount of reasons, which I will not go into today. So what ended up happening was that apparently someone or a organization of someone's stole a bunch of Steam keys from the publisher. And the publisher found out about it. So what they did was they issued out a statement, a really crappy one in my opinion, that, oh, if you bought these illegal, these illegal keys, then go to the seller and try and get your money back because those keys will be disabled for use because they were illegally gained because they're stolen, which is, you know, not going to end well for the, whoever bought it. But even worse, for people that already redeemed those keys, they won't be able to play that game anymore on Steam. It'll just be removed from their Steam library. Well, then you wasted your money on that. Yeah, which sucks because, I mean, at the very least, I must I have to assume that the people weren't aware that it was a thing, that they were stolen. So why not let them keep it? It shouldn't be that much. At the very least, it might be a maybe a thousand or more keys. Who knows? But that's still I don't know money. How many did. It's still... I mean, that's still money. But that compared to how much they sold already on on, on the Epic Game Store. But yeah, it's it money now going to the publisher. I mean, it's for what? Let's say, for example, the game is sixty bucks, and it's a thousand keys. You know, it's quite a lot of money. And yeah, then we can ask. Um, deep silver to be like a charity and say oh you know what if it's a thousand keys then well, let's just have those I'm people enjoy it i'm not saying there but... should be a charity i'm not saying there should be a charity what i am saying is don't don't screw over your fans i mean they want to play your game let them have it if they got it through means that they didn't know were legal that they assumed was legal then you know who are they to blame for it I think this story is kind of double-sided because it's been quite a thing that Metro shifted from Steam to Epic Game Store. So a lot of people know. And I think if you're a fan of the game, you in a way you know or you figured out that the games moved from Steam to the Epic Game Store. So in a way, it could also be a way of uh, you as a fan trying to cheap out and get the game as cheap as possible. And then it kind of bites yeah, you in the Yeah, but who said they bought it on the cheap? Because I'm assuming that they they paid full price for it. I don't hope so in their case. I mean, the site is down, so I can't check it anymore. But suffice to say, or at least not the site, but the page is down where they sold them. But suffice to say, the point still remains that is that, I mean, at the very least, I don't know, either offer a discount or something so that they can play it on it. I don't know. It's, I mean, they already are not in the good graces of their fans. So why why handle this situation in this way? I mean, they could have done it. I mean, it's probably be, a business decision. And, you know, business decisions well, at the end of the day are decision. about money. 
know. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, this is why I I am not a big fan of big publishers. Um, at least not all of them. Yeah. It's just I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean. I mean, we'll see how this works out. I, I'm sure that a bunch of people will not be... That those people that had that situation happen to them will not be happy about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that ends up going. If they're lucky, they'll uh, get sued because, uh, you know, that's generally what happens with these things. People just sue them over and then they blame them and say, I didn't know it was an illegal vendor. Yeah, no, now I'm screwed out of my money. And then they'll sue uh, the publisher and then it'll get a, get some more traction in the news that way. Mm, I know, I don't, I'm not sure if that's going to help. But, yeah. I don't hope so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll keep, I'll, we'll keep an eye on the story and see how that develops further. But yeah. That's that's how that is. There is one story though I wanted to um, add before we uh, we go to the next segment, and that is a you know to end at least on a feel good story. Yeah. Um. Do you know uh, Granny Shirley or Grandma Shirley? Have you heard of her? Is it an old woman called Shirley? I have it no is. idea what that is, man. It is. It's this. Um, it's this sweet old lady that plays. Uh, that has a YouTube uh, channel, where she lets plays a bunch of games. Um, specifically, she's most known for her Skyrim let's plays. She's already <laughs> uploaded over three hundred let's play videos on her channel alone. Let me just. And she has that over up. a. And she has over a half a million uh, subscribers to her channel. Well. As a big fan of the Elder Scrolls series, she's been playing those for a long time. And when the Elder Scrolls 6 was announced last year at E3, um, it came with the bittersweet realization that the game probably won't be out until she's even older. Right now, she's 82. Um, she, uh, Someone actually calculated the average development time for Bethesda. And and they guesstimated that it would be about six years from now. And then she responded to that with a real sad, well, I guess I there's a chance that I won't be around to play The Elder Scrolls Six, which is, you know, kind of sad because she is 82 and in six years' time she'd be 88, 89. I mean, I don't, who knows what, you know, what's going to happen in six years' time. You know, you're old the the real thought of mortality sets in at that age so so bethesda did something really cool and considering all the flack that they've gotten recently with the stuff that happened with fallout 76 um this was this one was a win in their category they uh had this 25th anniversary um celebration over the weekend and one of the things that they showed off is that they actually invited Grandma Shirley over um, to have her likeness captured for Elder Scrolls Six. Oh, that's so cool. So she will be an NPC in Elder Scrolls Six. Now, whether or not she um, lives to actually play the game, um, all we can do is hope and pray um, that she'll still be gaming at age 88, 89. And she can actually interact with her own NPC. But if not, at least she's in the game. And that is a really cool thing that they did for her. Um, it's something that a lot of fans petitioned 
Bethesda to have done. So for them to actually listen to the fans and actually do this is really cool. It's not the first time that they have done this, though. They did this for, I think it was either Fallout 3 or Skyrim. I think it was for Skyrim, where um, this guy had terminal cancer. I was a big fan of the Elder Scrolls games, and he knew that the he wouldn't live to see the game come out. So what they did was uh, they took their likeness and put him in the game. So I think he was called, I think, Eric the Watcher or something or other. other. Um, so they put his likeness in, in Skyrim, which was really nice. So it's not something that they, it's not like they haven't done it before. Um, but it is nice to see that they do it for such an avid fan of theirs. And it, it was a really nice gesture. They, um, they put a video up on their YouTube channel. I suggest checking it out. It's really nice and really sweet. They actually invited her to Bethesda Studios. So she got a t-shirt and like a tour of the place. And then they used uh, f- uh, photo, photo, photography or something like that. It's this new technology that they're using to capture people's likenesses in the game. Which is a far cry from what they've been doing up until this point. Because her likeness looks like her. So I we don't know what kind of NPC she's going to be. But suffice to say... Very nice gesture. You did good, Bethesda. You did good. <laughs> That's nice. Do you actually yeah. think it's going to take six years for the game to come out? Because why would they announce it right now if it's going to come out in six years? Because fans are impatient and they want to know when the latest game is going to come out. Yeah, but so, I don't think it's going to... I think it'll probably come out in like two years, maybe three no, years. No, because the only thing they showed was a logo over Rolling Hills. Yeah, but I remember when they announced Skyrim... It was also like a, a simple CG trailer. and didn't take six years for the game to come out. No, but that was further along. That game was already further along. And they hadn't really started developing this game yet because they're working on another game that's also coming out. A new IP, in fact. Starfield, yeah. They've been working on that yeah. for a while. So their priority is finishing Starfield, and then they're going to shift to Elder Scrolls. I'm curious to see. I believe Bethesda does a conference at E3, so maybe they'll tell us more about it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure we'll find out more about Starfield then. I don't think we're going to find out anything new about the Elder Scrolls 6. Well, we can always hope. Yeah. All right, so that's it for the news. Um, That's all the news that we gathered for this week. Um, Stay tuned. We will see you guys on the other side. We'll be back. And we're back, people, with the second segment of what you've been playing. Um, Sean Templar, uh, what have you been playing uh, this past week? I've been playing um, two games. One is Battlefield Firestorm. It finally came out. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm really happy that it came out. Why? Because it's good. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so um, since I don't play Battlefield, um, can you explain to me what is different about this between uh, what Call of Duty brought out and Fortnite? Okay, so I've never played Blackout. That's the Call of Duty Battle Royale. I have played uh, played. Um, 
Fortnite. So there's no building for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, what Battlefield, what Firestorm does, and it's made by Criterion Games, which if you know them, they're the guys behind uh, the Burnout franchise. They're the guys Rest behind uh, um, Black, I believe it was called, that FPS mm-hmm. on PS2. Yeah. Uh, and they also did the uh, the VR mission for Star Wars Battlefront, the first one, and when you had to pilot and destroy the Death Star and an X-Wing. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. they did that. So they've been working on uh, Firestorm uh, for a long time now, and they you can really see that it, it did them well to launch the game or to bring out Firestorm now. Um, what What's great about Firestorm is it has the gunplay of Battlefield. And the gunplay, I love that part of Battlefield. It just feels right, you know? The weapons don't have too much recoil. It just shoots nice. There's a nice variety of weapons. Like, generally with FPS shooters, there are only a few weapons that I always pick and play with. For example, with uh, Call of Duty World War II, there were always like a handful of weapons I would just pick and I would use those weapons and I'd leave the, L's, the, the rest of the game, uh, weapons out of there because... I didn't like the way they played or it didn't feel right or whatever. Mm. And with with Firestorm and with Battlefield 5 in general, like all the weapons are good. I've played almost with all the weapons and I love almost all the weapons. So there's a lot of variety in there. They've also brought over the destruction of the objects and the buildings. They've brought over vehicles. Um, they've even put in a helicopter. Uh, I don't know if it's really uh, suitable for that time, but um, <laughs> yeah, there's a... Is it team-based? Oh uh, yeah, you, so you, for now you can either play solo or you can play in squads, and I believe they're also going to do a timed mode in which you can play in duos, so two people. Um, okay. So far, I've gotten one victory, as they call it, for and a couple of the other matches I've played, I've either ended up in the top three. So, um, yeah, it's it's really nice. Um, I love the way the weapon stuff is worked out. So you just pick up weapons and weapons have like rarity. So it's, uh, for example, it's uh, good, better, best to put it that way. And then they have attachments and certain skills or perks enabled, such as recoil reduction and stuff like that. Um, What I don't like is that the loot system is at at this moment, it's kind of broken. So what happens is in normal battle royale games, for example, either you shoot somebody and a block and you kill somebody and the, they drop a box and then in that box is their inventory their items yeah. um in fortnite the items are just spread out but they're just dumped and spread out evenly so you can sp- pick specifically what you want and here it's like um it's like a fountain that sprays out all the, the inventory of the character and it gets okay. yeah and it gets stacked so if you want to pick up armor plating for example and there's another gun on top of that, you can't separate those. So either you pick up the wrong weapon or the wrong item. Uh, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and it is something that Criterion said that they were aware of and they were working on before they released Firestorm, but it was that the build they were going to launch was unfortunately with this inventory system in there. So mm. we know it's it's there's a fix coming. It's just that it's really annoying right now because... It, sometimes you just lose time picking up the wrong items and they can get you killed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, another cool part about this is that the map is pretty huge and you can't access the whole map. So what they do is, is every new round of Battle Royale you start, or Firestorm, they just pick a certain spot on the map and that is the playing level at that moment. So there is a variety oh. in environments. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's an interesting take. On it. Yeah, instead of uh, just using the same map all the time. And there's also a bit of variety. So there's a snow area. There's like a mine quarry there. There's a harbor. Um, there's a train yard. You have um, safes you can crack and get higher level items. You can capture control points like in Conquest. And then if you capture a control point, you get better loot. So there is a lot of variety. It isn't um, constantly just looking for somebody to kill. You're constantly motivated to... To try other stuff, you're to try to explore or try to play a bit more battlefield style. So that's really nice about it. And I think that a lot it's drawing in a lot of players as well because matchmaking right now is ten to thirteen seconds. Whereas normally, when you do matchmaking in battlefield, it, it's longer than that. Wow. Okay. A lot of people were looking forward. To yeah. That. The only gripe I have with it, besides the loot system, is that it takes too long to jump back into a session so like when you die you can say okay quit but the process of quitting and joining a new server is a bit too long so i just really want it to be fast like i die okay i want to it should ask i should i think it should ask me hey do you want to start a new round instead of going back to the main menu saying okay i want to play okay do you want to matchmake okay there are too many steps in there if they would add a button saying hey do you want to play again yes bump go Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. So I'm really looking forward to looking forward to the future of Firestorm. Um, the other game I've been playing, and that's a kind of a, an off one. Nobody expected me to play this, I think, but it's Formula One 2018. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that you mentioned that yesterday. I was like, <laughs> wow, Formula One? What? Yeah. So why? Yeah. So um, there was this Netflix series called formula one and blah 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 i don't remember the whole name it came out a couple of weeks ago and what it basically does is it covers the whole season the, the formula, formula one season of 2018 and it involves mm -hmm. the team drivers well it involves the team owners or the principals as they're called so you get to see an interview with Danny Ricardo or with Max Verstappen so they follow the whole shebang and they have access to everything so you also get a bit more insight into how Formula One works. It's not just the race, but there's also politics involved. There's a lot of stuff going on. So I watched it in in a couple of days. And after that, I really got excited. And then the other day, I was I, I was uh, looking online. I saw a sale at, one of, uh, at a retailer. And I thought, let me check how much uh, this game is in the PlayStation Store. So I checked in the PlayStation Store. It was 18 euros. I'm like, okay, if I don't buy this, I'm a thief of my own wallet. So let me just buy it. Um... It really looks nice. It mm -hmm. it there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of mechanics in there to help you ease into the game. So you can uh, turn certain things on. You can turn certain things off. There's the, there's assist. So you can say I want braking assist or I want driving assist. So there's all these small systems in place to level to gradually gl uh, guide you into it instead of saying okay we're just going to drop you into this and then you either like it as the way it is or you don't like it and just go play something else um mm -hmm. you can pick your own team so if you want you can start out as a ferrari driver or you can start with another team well i of course started with a lower team thought you know what let me try to work my way up the ferrari or uh, mercedes or whatever um it's it's hard, but that kind of makes it fun. It's you really have mm. to put some time and effort into it. 
The only thing I'm kind of struggling with right now is that there are um, when you start a when you participate in a Grand Prix, you have um, three moments in which you can do practice. There's one moment in which you can qualify for the race, and there's one moment when you have the race itself. So I think it's spread out over three days, and in these practice sessions, they tell you, they give you certain objectives saying, okay, we want you to focus on fuel management, or we want you to focus on tire efficiency, or we want you to learn how to track it. But they don't really tell you how to focus on tire man uh, efficiency or fuel efficiency. There's a bar in the, screen, in the middle of the screen, for example, and it just moves on and it's like a red area, a green and a purple area. But they're not really telling you, okay, to achieve uh, tire efficiency, you need to do blah, 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 blah. Or if you want to have fuel efficiency, you need to do blah, 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 blah. So I, there are tutorials in the game, but it doesn't really explain it in a way that I can understand. Say like, okay, I understand what to do. I get this. I have to do this. So I checked with a friend and he said, ah, okay, you have to uh, use coasting or you have to use this or you have to use that. But if I didn't have that, then I would just fail all those practice sessions yeah and there's another cool uh, mechanic in there you have um uh, uh, one of the engineers and he can during the race they can talk to you and tell you like uh, hey okay um uh, we need you to box this lap meaning you have to hit the pits or they can say okay you're um you're seven seconds behind the number one or whatever and you can also reply back by hitting buttons but what i found out is that you can also reply through a voice. So you can plug in a headset. Really? Yeah, that's really cool. So you can say, his name is Jeff, <laughs> and you can say, hey, Jeff, can you give me an update? And then he tells you, hey, you're in a position, blah, blah, blah. And the, the first, uh, the P1 is uh, this, and there's so, so many seconds between you. Or you can say, hey, I want to box. And then like, okay, after this round, we're going to box. Or you can do the voice commands, and it adds a... A different layer to the game it really makes it fun oh that is really cool yeah when i found out i was really excited I was like okay this is something cool i didn't expect it to be in there oh i i damn damn now you got me curious i want to check that out yeah maybe you should do some share play later yeah sure we can try that out it's the the most amazing thing for me was and i have some of the driving assistant stuff on because i'm not good at this I've, it's the first time for me and yeah. But I'm surprised about how, for example, you have um, an ideal line on the track. So there's a green line and it turns red when you need to brake, for example. And it turns yellow when you need to, for example, let the uh, throttle go. So you have like an ideal line in how you need to drive on the track. And in some cases, mm -hmm. there were situations in which I saw that the line went into a corner and it went out of the corner and it was green all the way. And there was no moment in which it said, you need to brake. So... I was starting to doubt because I thought, okay, but I'm going 200 miles an hour or kilometers an hour. I'll never be able to make this corner because I'm going too fast. And then I just tried to push the car to its limit by following the line at that speed. And then I went high speed into the corner and I came out high speed out of the corner. And I was like, oh my God, this is just like on TV. They head into this corner super <laughs> fast and they come out of this corner super fast without breaking. And I actually did that. What? Nani? <laughs> Did I do this? So that was really fun. There's these small moments in there in which they really make you feel like a F1 driver like you watch on TV. All right. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, by the way, the, I looked up the documentary. It's called Formula One Drive to Survive. That's the one. Ooh, so, yeah. Wow. Very, uh, very dramatic. You should really watch it. It's real good. 
I'll, I'll give it a look, yeah. and I'll definitely try it, try it out. Um, so yeah, now on to the games that I've been playing. So uh, last week, I found that one of our uh, toy stores is unfortunately uh, going bankrupt, so that means that all the games and all the toys that are selling are at a slight discount. Um, I'm assuming that the more they sell out, the more the discounts will grow. But one of the things that they were selling at a discount was WarioWare Gold. Now, if you are if you are a Nintendo fan, you know that Nintendo does not discount their games. Like, unless they have a um, greatest hits collection out for that system, they don't discount their games at all. Even if the game is five years old, it's not discounted unless it's unless it's a, a greatest hits version of that game. So, I found Warrior Gold for eighteen euros, which is a steal because the game normally costs forty. And I picked it up, and mostly because I'm a big WarioWare fan, also a big um, Rhythm Heaven fan. And WarioWare Gold is a collection of all the best mini games throughout the whole franchise's uh, life, including a bunch of new other mini games in there. It's a really nice uh, format. Um, the thing that is different in this one is that they actually have voice acting in this, which is kind of weird. <laughs> Because they always use these weird short um, uh, voice clips. And, you know, it has its own charm to it. But this had actual voice acting and it's like, oh, that's so weird to her. <laughs> to hear Wario actually speak out full sentences. And Wario, of course, is being done by Charles Marnier, who does basically all the male characters from the Mushroom Kingdom, from Mario to Luigi to Wario and Waluigi. Um... So it it's it was kind of weird hearing Wario talk. Uh, it's not bad or anything. It's just weird. I can't imagine but, you know, that to be honest. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'll show you a clip later. But <laughs> suffice to say, I mean, that's not the high point. The high point is, of course, playing all these super rapid mini games and seeing uh, all these old mini games that I played on the Game Boy Advance and on the and on the Wii and. Uh, on uh the the not the game of events i mean the ds now all those games being brought together in one big package and remade for the 3ds is really nice it's really cool to see um and it's nice revisiting all these mini games because the they have all these different themes wario's mini games are all basic they teach you how to play a specific kind of mini game um, they have three categories in there. You have the regular, which is just with buttons, so with buttons in the control pad. Then you have the ones that are from WarioWare Touched, which is the DS game, which uses the touchscreen, um, and sometimes the microphone as well. And then you have the ones that are based off of the Game Boy Advance game, WarioWare Twisted, which is my personal favorite WarioWare game. Because that one, you had a special cartridge for your Game Boy Advance, which actually measured in tilt. So it was the first one of the first um, tilt-based games that I played on the Game Boy Advance. I mean, Kirby Tilt and Tumble existed on Game Boy Color, but that didn't really come out. Um, so yeah, this was that was really fun. The only thing I'm missing from that version is that they had a 
very rudimentary rumble feature in there. So whenever you, you tilted the system, you had this really nice tactile feedback. It was almost, it almost felt like haptic feedback, but it was way more simpler than that. And that's the only thing I'm missing from the 3DS remake because the 3DS doesn't have rumble feature, but it does use gyroscopes to do the tilt stuff. Um, which is nice. I've unlocked, I think, half of the mini games already on the system and I unlocked a bunch of... The, the other thing that's really cool about WarioWare is that you unlock stuff to play with. So, like, these mini games, these kind of toys, and now, since you have voice acting in the game, they allow you to dub over the lines of the game's cutscenes. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just really weird because then you hear your own voice coming out of Wario's mouth flapping which is really weird and so weird. <laughs> have you tried it i've tried it it's weird i don't think i'm gonna try it anymore because it's weird uh, i mean it's fun it's a novelty but uh, uh i don't know man. <laughs> also the quality of the microphone is not that great so you saw so it sounds kind of teeny mm, okay yeah and the other game that i've been playing um yeah don't 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 at me for this one, people, because this was just a coincidence. As I was uh, playing WarioWare Gold, I picked up my other 3DS. I I'm not gonna tell people how many 3DSs I own. Suffice to say, it is enough. You um, have multiple but 3DSs. I up... Yes, but the less we talk about it. Why? Um, Are there like exclusive because... editions and stuff like that, or? Yeah, some of them are. Some of them are. But also the upgrade from the regular 3DS to the new 3DS. Um, wow, they really got you, didn't they? <laughs> You're just such just a sucker for it. This <laughs> is the guy that bought Vita. I bought one Vita. I don't have 10 Vitas because there, there aren't 10 Vitas. I don't Vitas, have 10 3DS. Okay, that narrows it down. <laughs> but more like... I just buy one Vita and that's it. I don't have to buy the next and the next. But anyways, go on. <laughs> yeah, so I picked up one of my 3DSs and in there was Nintendox Plus Cats. It was one of the first games I bought for the 3DS. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, wow, I haven't seen this cartridge in so long. Oh my God. What about my puppies and my kitty? Oh no. Are they okay? Are they still alive? And I booted it up again and... To my surprise, they're still alive, except they were starving and they were completely dirty. So I gave them all a bath and I gave them some food to eat and they actually still recognize me. If I call their names, they come to me and I can still let them do tricks. At least the dogs, you know, the cat just, you know, lies there and gets belly rubbed yeah. and stuff. And she's adorable. Oh, uh, it's she. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you can you can you can choose the 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 dogs and cats you own, so yeah, so I I've been I I dipped into that a bit again. Tried to train my dogs, teach them new tricks, um, taking them out for walks oh my and God. and just playing with them and just you know just chilling. You know, in between sessions, of course, with chilling with Aloy, of course, roaming the uh, post-apocalyptic wastelands. You should focus. So, I mean, it's, only it's, on a, that. it's a it's a it's a it's a nice distraction for me. I can't do that all the time. And, you know, sometimes you need something to just just mellow. Okay. Because, because Horizon Zero Dawn can get very frustrating sometimes. Really? 
Well, yeah, if you keep doing stupid stuff like engaging enemies that you're not supposed to, mm, okay. then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know those issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're not ready to face a certain enemy, don't. And don't try and force yourself because you'll just get more pissed off at yourself. Probably. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, right now I'm facing the Thunder Jaw, which is um challenging, really, to say the least. But I, but I figured out, but I figured out his thing. It's just not, it, now. It's just a matter of, um, you know, you know, doing like um, you know, <laughs> you know, following the tactic that I've come with and just making it work. So what I did, and the funny part is that I expected Thunderjaw to be one of the most difficult enemies out there. And when I started fighting it after like I killed the first one, I thought, okay, this is okay. I didn't expect it to be like this. What I always used to do was grab a rope caster, I believe, and just pin him to the ground and then grab one of those uh, harvest arrows and shoot off his uh, disc launchers and then grab his disc launcher and use it against him. Ah, see, what I did was something different. I tried to um, uh, neuter. Well, not neuter. That's a, that's that's not what I tried to. I tried to 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 stop him in his tracks with the um, with the trip rope, the electric ah, trip rope, okay. and that doesn't work because he's resistant. Some somewhat resistant to Did it. Did you so scan it him with the focus up. so you can see his weaknesses? Yeah, scan him with the focus. Yeah, so his major weakness is fire, and a part of his resistance is, um, is you know electricity. But what I did find out is that I had the tear uh, the tear arrows, mm -hmm. and they tear away pieces of yeah. it, including the disc launchers. Yeah. So I used that to tear off the disc launchers, and the disc launchers take off a lot yeah, of health. Yeah. See, that's what. But then the discs ran out. He has two. Twice. Yeah, he has two. And then generally, when you've used yeah. them both, you can kind of mop it up after that. Yeah, but then I still. Don't. Uh, yeah, do you also have the stronger because, bows? Because I'm in the. Well, I don't know that. I actually need to get another bow that actually has the electricity, uh, electrical uh, shots on it. But. um. The thing is, is that I'm in the cauldron right now, and the problem with the cauldron, of course, is that you only have a limited amount of space to work yeah. with, and the thunder jar is huge. So you have to constantly I'm bounce mostly around. Just, exactly. Yeah. Which, even even when you do that, there's a high percentage that you'll still get damaged anyways, because his splash zone is just that huge. So yeah, that's what I've been playing. As that's what I like about Horizon Zero Dawn. You see, you have a completely different experience and an approach and how you deal with an enemy, and I have a completely different approach. And you know, that makes the game so fun that there are so many different ways to play the game. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. So, I mean, I know I, was, I said that I wasn't going to give another update until I did something significant in the game, and yeah. Um, so consider this like a mini update. Um, so that's what I've been playing. Nice. Anything else? Uh, no. Anything you're looking no, forward that's... to, maybe? Mm, is there anything that I'm looking forward to? Yeah. The release date for Joker on in uh, Smash Brothers. Have you played Smash Brothers in the past few weeks? Um, On and off. Okay. On and off. I mean, I have this big thing coming up 
in a couple of weeks, so I need to get in shape. You need to play in a tournament or something. Something like that. That's nice. So, but they said that he would be, um, Joker would make his way to, to Smash in spring, at least before the end of April. And they have announced, which is something we probably should have also covered in the new segment, but I'm just going to say it real quick here. They have announced a new version of Persona 5 that's coming to PlayStation 4, which is called Persona 5 The Royal. Um, and they also recently, and when I say recently, uh, as of yesterday, they opened a teaser site uh, for more information about the Royal, but also for something else called P5S, which is one of the... So, uh, this is very confusing. So, a couple of months ago, they registered a bunch of domains for Persona 5, one was Persona 5R, which ended up being Persona 5 The Royal. Um, and one was Persona... Uh, another one was Persona uh, or P5D, which was Persona... F- um, the Persona dancing game for PlayStation 4. Uh, and then the third one was P5S, which if you would... You know, if you go the logic way, S might be a reference to the Switch. So, and also considering that the announcement is coming on April 25th, which is when they have their Persona live event, and that's also the day they're going to announce more about Persona 5 The Royal, people are also assuming that that's when they're going to announce uh, that a version of Persona 5 is coming to Switch. And I think that will also be the day that we find out that or not find out. That's probably the day that um, Joker comes to Smash. But that's my speculation. Okay, I'm curious to see. Same here. I really want to play Persona 5, and it would be nice to have it. finally have it on Switch. I don't know what's so special about this Persona game, but probably it's JRPG stuff. It is, it is very anime. Yeah, I don't do anime. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. Considering that you didn't know what a waifu was. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man, that'll that'll never get old. Oh, well. yeah, what can I say? <laughs> All right, so that does it for uh, what you've been playing. Uh, stick around for our last segment, which is the hidden gems, and we'll be right back after this. <laughs> Alrighty, welcome back to our last segment, our hidden gem. You want to kick us off, Max? What's your hidden gem for this week? Yeah, so my hidden gem is uh, going back to my uh, to the old Wii U well for this one, one of the earlier launch window games, the Wonderful 101, which was developed by uh, Platinum Games, published by Nintendo. Um, and this was one of those games that was made from the ground up for the Wii U, where uh, you control a bunch of heroes, hence the title Wonderful 101, um, that are called the Wonderful 100. And in that, you control them in a group kind of like how you would in Pikmin, um, and you direct them to the enemies and the, and, the, and the monsters, and then they beat them up. But sometimes what you have to do is you have to... Stick them in a formation 
which transforms them into a weapon. So, for example, you can draw on the tablet in the shape of a gun and like this L shape, and then they turn into a gun and they shoot up individual heroes as bullets. And you can, That's cool. which is really cool because you have this yeah. because you have these heroes and the part of the mechanic is that you recruit regular people into becoming heroes for that stage. So they become part of the formation uh, of that weapon. So you can turn into a gun. There's also one where you turn into a big anvil so that you can squash your enemies or one where you turn into a sword and attack as a sword. Where's one that you turn into a whip. Um, there's one where you turn into a ball, a spiky ball, and roll over the enemies. And it's really cool because you have to do it on the fly. Um, but you can also do it with just the just the two um, analog sticks, which is not as fast. But, you know, it's doable if you want to do it that way, if you don't want to draw. But the drawing mechanic on the touchscreen is very quick and very responsive, which allows you to instantly change uh, formations to whatever suits you because some bosses have weak certain weaknesses so you have to change into oh now he's weak to like gunshots so you have to change quickly into the gun formation and shoot off a couple of bullets and then go on and like oh now you have to whip him because he has like this shell around him and you have to whip off all the parts uh stuff like that and it's really fun i mean it's a platinum game so you know it's well made it looks fun the story itself is hilarious at least it is to me, um, because they have to stop this evil organization and they can't do it alone because, you know, they're, they're big monsters that you have to face. And that's where the whole recruitment thing comes in. Whenever you save a bunch of people, they switch over and they get these cool little hero visors. Uh, <laughs> so they become heroes themselves, hence the title Wonderful 101. Um, yeah, I'm the, looking at a playthrough right now. And the one it really is, looks nice. and the one is you, which is this weird joke that they had for the title. But it's a really fun game. It's just a shame that it's on the Wii U and not a lot of people got a chance to play it. Um, Platinum Games has um, teased it that they would love to have it on the Switch. They'd love to port it to the Switch, but considering that Nintendo are the publishers of that game. It would it's the balls in Nintendo's court to have that game ported over to Switch. Hopefully they do that in the future because they also ported Bayonetta 1 and Bayonetta 2 to Switch. Um we know that they're working on Bayonetta 3 right now, but we also know that they're that they're working on Astral Chain for Switch. So I guess their hands are full at the moment. But uh yeah, wonderful 101. Good launch title. Um Hopefully someday it'll be on the Switch so that a lot of people can actually play the game because you can play it with a touchscreen or you can use the dual analog sticks or they might even use some motion motion controls so you can quickly draw with the Joy-Con the different formations and do it that way. So, yeah, I mean, if, you're, if you thought Pikmin looked way too cutesy and honestly, Pikmin is kind of horrifying sometimes, um... Yeah, Wonderful 101. If you have a Wii U and you have a spare moment, check it out. It's a very good Platinum Games game. I've just been watching uh, a playthrough and it really looks uh, funny. I can remember 
the game because I saw the guy with the hero visor. You, you play as that character, I believe. Yeah, and you, it really, yeah uh, you play as one of those, yeah. Yeah, it looks cool. I remember back at that time at an E3 when they, Nintendo showed it. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it has this kind of um, late 80s kind of Sentai show, kind of um, Power Rangers slash Thunderbirds kind of feel. And the whole presentation feels like a Saturday morning cartoon. So ah. that, that, that adds to the charm of the, of the whole game. Nice. I've uh, something completely not related, but I just mentioned that I didn't play Call of Duty Blackout yeah. uh, when I talked about Battlefield Firestorm. And I just read an article that the Blackout mode for Call of Duty might be free for this whole month from April 2nd to April 30th, so people can try out. Like what, on consoles or on PC? Uh, I think so. I'm trying to look it up right now in the PlayStation app, but I don't know for sure. Okay, well... That'd be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. I'll check it in a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, Do you have anything to say about your hidden gem before I move to mine? Um, No, I mean, yeah, there's not a lot to talk about. Um, I played a lot of it. I didn't... I got until this really, really difficult point where you had to switch between a lot of formations... It was this huge boss battle. I think it was close. I'm really close to the end, but I never got to finish it because I reached a point where it became almost impossible to switch formations that quickly, even with the stylus. Um, and basically, whenever... Here's the thing. Whenever you attack, you use the people as, you know, as the weapon that you change into. But mm-hmm. when you get attacked by the enemy those people fall off. And since they're not actual superheroes, they're just rent-a-heroes, they drop off and you can grab some of them, but not all of them. So the size of your formation shrinks with the amount of people that you have, meaning that the effectiveness of the weapon also shrinks, meaning that your Uh. weapon gets really weak or to a point that certain formations are not even available to you anymore. Which kind of makes it difficult to finish a game, you know, or beat a boss just a tad and get some That is probably the challenging part out of it. Yeah, that is very challenging. Like, the early levels are really easy, um, but, you know, it's Platinum Games, so they all they all have the S rank thing and the Platinum rank and oh, okay. stuff like that. But, yeah, the, the end game is really difficult. So... But yeah, Maybe you I try to play it again right now. Yeah, I mean, I I've been wanting to play it again, but I don't feel like hooking up my Wii U right now, uh, <laughs> just because my Switch and my PlayStation Four are already hooked up, so I don't want to keep switching that constantly. Uh, okay. Um, but uh, maybe when I have some more time off, I'll try and do that. So yeah, I mean, again, if you have a Wii U and if you haven't checked out Wonderful One One yet, check it out. Let uh, Nintendo know that you are a fan of Wonderful 101 and you would like to see it on Switch someday. I hope with the power of our podcast, we can get Nintendo to do that. <laughs> Who knows, man? Stranger things have happened. Indeed. Cool. So my hidden gem is one I think a lot of people wouldn't expect because I generally talk about Sony games or games which are on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um 
but I also own an Xbox One, which I rarely use. And I kind of bought it as an impulse for maybe one game. And that's my hidden gem, and that's Forza Horizon 3. Um, a while back, uh, a friend mentioned uh, that uh, there was this racing game he really liked, or he, it looked really nice, and that was Forza Horizon 3. And he said, yeah, yeah, you know, that's a game I w- want to buy an Xbox for. I said, yeah, I think so too. So I was looking around, and I saw that there was an Xbox One with Forza Horizon 3 available for around 180 euros, and oh, it was on Xbox that's One a, S. Wow, that's a good deal. Yeah, so I thought, you know, it's a pretty good deal. And if I don't like it, I can always sell it. So I bought uh, the Xbox One S. I got Forza Horizon 3 with it. uh, Played it for a couple of hours. And I really like the game. It's really one of those moments in... I don't play a lot of racing games. Mm. I generally only play Gran Turismo. But I remember back in the day in the PlayStation 2 era, I loved Need for Speed Underground. And I loved Underground 2. I loved Most Wanted. And I always wanted EA to do a Need for Speed Underground 3, but they kind of, you know, the Need for Speed franchise it has its ups and downs. You know, it's been all over the place. Well, it's from, EA, they're fickle. Yeah, so it went from arcade games to more realistic games to more simulation games. It was, it's always been all over the place, never consistent. Yeah. And um, that, actually, I, that actually would be nice, though, if they... Either if they either brought out a underground collection or they actually brought out a proper underground three. Yeah, hey, heck, do an underground one and two remaster. I mean, a lot of people want that. Um, but if they ever were to do an underground three, I would it. I would want it to be like Horizon Three because um, it's an open world. You can go wherever you want, kind of like an underground two. Mm-hmm. And you can still customize and tune your cars. You can upgrade them, add new parts. You know, it's all interwoven. So if you add a part, you'll get more horsepower, but it might cause you to accelerate slower. And it's all woven in. So you have to think about all these little small parts. Um, and because it's a bit more arcadey than, for example, Gran Turismo, it just it feels right. When, you, when you're driving with your car and you're going through 200 through a, uh, an hour, and you see a corner coming up or a turn coming up, you're like, okay, I might be able to pull this off if I slow down a little bit. Whereas in Gran Turismo, you know, okay, I'm never going to be able to pull this off. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a damage model included, so your car can get damaged. The environments are nice and varied. And basically how it how you play the game is you're a festival owner, I believe. It, I, I, if I remember correctly, the game is played in Australia, set in Australia. Mm-hmm. So you're a festival owner at the Forza Horizon Festival and you're racing around and gathering points and earning money to organize bigger parts of the festival or to upgrade the festival. So it's really cool. And there are also different classes of cars. So you have uh, pickups, you have dune buggies, you have SUVs, you have muscle cars. So there's a lot of variety in the cars you can use as well and in the races you can play. Uh, and you can also go up the game if you want so you can just find join okay play a friend of yours who's playing or he can join you you can race with each other you can race against each other you know it's just one of those games in which i really was surprised because i didn't expect it to be like that that sounds a lot like burnout paradise i know right which is actually cool because i love burnout paradise it's my favorite burnout I love Burnout Paradise as well. And I love the fact that they, for example, with what I loved about Burnout Paradise was that the post-launch content for that game was amazing. Oh, they yeah. added motorcycles. Yeah. And you, 
my, all sorts of stuff. My favorite part was when they added the DeLorean because I'm a big Back to the Future fan. And oh, it nice. has hover mode, which is so cool. Oh, <laughs> man. And they, add, yeah. they had the Ecto-1. And they added a bunch of cool stuff. I mean, they, were, they weren't exactly those cars because, you know, those are licensed cars. But they mm-hmm. looked close enough and had similar functionalities to them that, you know, it's that. But, yeah. Um, I mean, it's nice to hear that Forza Horizon 3 is more arcadey than than sim i'm not a really big i'm not really big into the sim racing games there's just way too many stuff to pay attention to yeah and i just want to floor it i've never played for some motorsport which is like the the one made by turn 10 studios the mainline game the mainline i think that's more of a at least from what i've seen it looks more like a simulation so yeah, kind those, of more are, of a really simmy yeah yeah so more of a gran turismo competitor but I like the part that they've been doing this. Microsoft also acquired the studio who's making Horizon. They did it last year. So who knows what will happen. And I also saw that Horizon 4 came out last year. So I might even pick that one up. Yeah. yeah Horizon 4 is set in the UK, I believe. So that's also a different uh, setting, which is kind of cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, right. That is right. This set in uh, the UK. Yeah, it's, it's strange that we don't, there are certain games we just don't get anymore these days. I mean, there aren't as many race games as we used to have. Nope. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, there aren't that many real-time strategy games coming out as well on PC, for example. I used to remember that back in the day, we used to play a lot of real-time strategy games. Yeah, Red but, Alert. Uh, yeah, when, that's part, part of the reason is that all those studios are gone. Yeah, because... For example, when I grew up, I always I was always playing Riddler 2, and I loved Riddler 2. It was so funny because all of the voices the characters had and the factions. You would have, I believe, Libya, who would have these uh, trucks that could drive into buildings, and they would say, just before they head into the building, they would say, watch out for the bomb! Or... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, or when you would play like Russia, you would have these uh, zeppelins, and they would they were called Kiros, and they would either say Kirov reporting, or when you were about to bomb something, they would say bombardiers to your station. You know, it was really fun. And um, oh man, that just reminds me of of uh, Command and Conquer Generals. Oh my god! Oh, I, I so love that game. I, I love that, that game. One so much with my cousin. That was yeah. That was the that was the second strategy game that I ever played on the PC. The first yeah. one that I played was this game that was that was that was a freebie with the PC that we bought back in the nineties. Nice. Um I think it was called Total Anni- Total Annihilation. Oh man. Oh yeah, I remember that I one. I played yeah. that game till the cars came out. But Command and Conquer Generals, man. Oh, Those had some funny lines. Like, my fav my personal favorite was China. Because whenever yeah. you build something they would, the 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 voice would say we will build for China or yes. China will grow larger. Yes. <laughs> China will grow larger. I love that one. Yeah, I was really excited when they announced Generals Two, and then yeah. when they eventually canceled, I was really bummed. Because oh, that sucks. So yeah, much. yeah. And for example, there are studios still there. For example, Massive Entertainment, who is the developer of Division, has yeah. their roots in RTS. They made World in Conflict, I believe it was called, which was kind of a Soviet, uh, was kind of a Cold War-esque uh, real-time strategy game. Yeah. And for example, Petroglyph, who was formed by former developers from the Red Alert franchise, 
um, they made Star Wars Empire at War, which was basically a Star uh, and Red Alert game in space. Yeah. I also believe that they're now working with the original people from Red Alert to remaster Red Alert. So hopefully we'll get a new Red Alert or a remastered one this year. Okay. But that's what I mean. It's kind of bummed that all these games that we used to play when we were growing up are starting to fade away. There aren't that many RTS games. There aren't that many racing games. It's a lot of open world games this generation, a lot of shooters. Yeah. Um, but, the same, but the same goes for sports games. I mean, all of them are all sim. I yeah. mean, the, on, the only arcade-style game that, they, that exists right now is RBI Baseball. Yeah, and the last RBI baseball that came out wasn't that great, from what I heard of. I used to remember we had FIFA Street back in the GameCube oh, days. Oh my goodness, FIFA Street on the GameCube was amazing. I love it. Yeah, or 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 or, or NBA Street. Mm-hmm. Man, that yeah. that kind of took the edge off because you know NBA Jam wasn't a thing anymore. But yeah. MGA Jam actually made a comeback back in the Wii. On the Wii, there was a Wii oh, version of that. that. Yeah, yeah, and they got the original announcer for it too. So. You know, his boom shakalakas were on point. <laughs> Honestly, I think the only reason that they did it is because he actually has... I think he has some kind of trademark on those specific phrases. Oh, wow. To say it in that specific way. And I think that's one of the reasons why they had to get the guy back. So, so basically me saying boom shakalaka in that way, I hope he doesn't hear it because I might get sued for it. Um <laughs> <laughs> so uh, don't well, add him don't add him with this piece uh, by the way um, we're uh, way too small to get sued at least i hope we're way too small to get sued <laughs> oh man uh but uh yeah i mean yeah you're right there are just games that don't exist anymore i mean it it, it, it is really sad yeah i mean the same like like the really old school stuff doesn't exist anymore i mean uh, like I said before, the Fantasy Star 4 was, I think, one of the last Fantasy Star games before they went the online route. Yeah. And even then, Fantasy Star Online 2 did not come out in the West. It's a Japan-only game. Yeah, it's it's it, you see that some things from the past are trying to, are in a way, coming back. For example, um, games back in the day, or to put it that way, were really, really hard, really difficult. And I think that, for example, those Dark Souls games kind of bring that back and make it really, really challenging. So there are some elements that are coming back. It's just that, you know, you would, for example, with strategy games, the only strategy games I really get to play these days are the Total War franchise, because that's one of the only few developers that actually make strategy games. Yeah. Which, Which I'm really looking forward to, but... Yeah, I mean, even Nintendo has done the same thing. I mean, it took them 20 years to make another uh, Kid Icarus game. Yeah, was it and the one that came out on a DS or...? On the 3DS, yeah. A 3DS, yeah. yeah which yeah. was really good. The only downside for most people was that they didn't like that they had to... That you needed to use the stylus to aim and attack. Mm, okay. Instead of having a dual stick setup, which is why people are hoping that that game gets a Switch part so that they, you know, you don't have to force people to play it that way yeah um because otherwise it's stuck on the 3ds and you only have that one way of playing the game which kind of sucks i mean i played it to the end and i most for the most part i didn't have a problem with it but a few years ago i tried to pick it up again and it was very difficult to get back into it because you know when it came out the first time around i was way younger so it was easier for me to pick it up but 
honestly, I've gotten older and I don't have that dexterity anymore or the patience to relearn that play scheme. It's so funny to see that or hear that because you're growing older or because we're growing older, it's difficult to play certain games. Whereas if I were to think about it, I'd never say or admit to myself that I'm becoming too old to play a certain game, but it's probably no, but life or realization kicking in later. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's something. it's good that some things are coming back to stuff like Kickstarter, but then there are some things that should never, ever, 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 ever come back. Like Is that your Secret of Mana reference or... No, no, but that also falls into that category, mostly because they failed on that end. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm still aiming for someday actually doing a prop, a proper remake of that game myself. But um, no, I'm talking about the horrible things like Bubsy. Why? What is Bubsy? Who the hell? You don't know what Bubsy is? No. You know what? Don't look it up. You'll you'll thank me for it. Bubsy. Um, yeah, don't look it up. Don't look it up. It's just a waste of time. But the point is, there are things that are being remade or getting new sequels that don't need to exist. Nobody asked for them, and they were a joke on the internet. Why are you making some? Why are you investing in something that stupid? That's Whereas, always what I ask myself. What I always ask myself, and we don't know because we're not developers. But yeah, when when a game comes out and the game is is to put it really rough, and then the game sucks. I always wonder, does it, don't the developers realize that this is not working or that this is broken or that it sucks? And of course, partially, they might not have any say into it because it's a business decision and they just have to ship what a the game. Publisher says, yeah. yeah, so there is a way that they're, in one way, their hands are tied and just have to make sure that they meet their obligations. But I always wonder, like, don't they have any moments in which they say, this is just wrong, this is just bad, this doesn't work, why are we doing this? I think there are developers that do that, but those developers tend to shelve a title and either start from scratch or go back to a previous version and work their way from that. Um, but I think there are some developers that legitimately think that the product that they're putting, that they're putting out is good. Either that or they don't care. Uh, yeah. Which I mean, is a shame. Yeah, which is... Which is a shame if they're a talented developer. It's not a shame if they were crappy developers to begin with. <laughs> and like, not to be a jerk about it or anything, but yeah, there are some developers that just no, just don't. Oh well. Yeah. Do you have any wow. final words? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, wow, we had we talked about a lot more hidden gems than we thought we were gonna. Be, so that's good. That's why I like this segment always. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I kind of we, we got to I, talk about Command and Conquer Generals. Man. I probably threw out ten hidden gems, which I could have used in the next ten episodes, so I can't <laughs> use those anymore. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I know which one I'm gonna pick next time. <laughs> ah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, but, yeah. Before we round up, one more thing. Uh, ah, dang it! I, I was thinking about another voice clip for Command and Conquer Generals to imitate, but I don't remember what it was. It's if you probably look up on YouTube or whatever, yeah, you can just, find a lot yeah, just, of them. Just just look up Command and Conquer General Quips, and uh, yeah, that's gonna be fun. Not unlike the dang mobile game they decided to put out, uh, Rivals. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh god, that that demo was so bad. China will grow larger. <laughs> <laughs> that clip, though, oh man, that first uh, clip is burned into my memory. China will grow larger. I will build for China. I will check. Maybe if I still have the game, let's maybe we can buy it somewhere really, really cheap, and we can just play a match against each other. Oh, it's probably, really fun. It's probably on Origin. Yeah, maybe. Let me just check that. I have Origin yeah. access. Maybe it's still there. I yeah. would love to play that game. All right. Okay, so let's uh, wrap this up. As I'll always. let you uh, do your thing about the ad underscores, yada yada, exclamation <laughs> point, mark, question mark. <laughs> I'm going to write this down and next time you're going to read it. So, But um, yes, as always, guys, thank you guys for listening to our podcast, listening to our rants. Uh, you can always uh, hit us up uh, on Twitter. Uh, our uh, Twitter handle is at game underscore rival unders- rivals underscore. Uh, my personal Twitter handle is at Maximilian. Uh, you can always reach us via email through GameRivalsFeedback at gmail.com. You can always leave us a video recording through the Anchor app. Um, please uh, reach out to us. Um, we thank you guys always for listening. Spread the word about our app, uh, about our podcast. Uh, we love seeing that um, we're reaching more and more people uh, outside of the Netherlands um we appreciate it just let more people know about our podcast um give us feedback uh we'd love to actually interact with the fans uh and do more stuff uh we have other stuff that we have in the pipeline going on maybe some video content in the future so yeah uh as far as this episode goes uh i am maximilian x and i'm sean templar and we'll talk to you guys next time Have a nice day. Bye. Bye.